Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. Awesome to be back with you guys as we are exiting the All-Star break and getting back into uh, the regular season. This is actually my one of my least favorite days of uh, the, uh, the baseball season just because there are no games going on. Uh, very boring if you turn on ESPN or MLB uh, TV. They don't know what to do, the, do with themselves because there's absolutely nothing happening uh, today. But nonetheless, uh, it will get exciting really quickly as we are very close uh, to crunch time. Of course, uh, during this time, you really start looking at um, you know the trade wire, all those rumors flying around about who might trade for who. Juan Soto, of course, being maybe the biggest trade piece uh, in a long time. I don't know for certain that he's going to move over the next couple of weeks. It would make some more sense for the Nationals probably to move him during uh, the offseason, probably get a lot more suitors for him then because everybody's finances are in order. Um, Braves fans don't expect the Braves to be going after Juan Soto simply because they don't have a ton of money or a ton of prospects actually to to go after him. But nonetheless, uh, that's going to be a really exciting time. It was a huge, hugely important time for the Braves last season as Alex Anthopoulos pulled uh, all the right strings, uh, getting all those outfielders in, and um, we'll see what happens this year. But uh, that's probably our going to be our next episode today. We are going to really focus in on reviewing the uh, the MLB draft and also the, the events of the All-Star weekend. So let's actually start with that. Uh, the Braves had six All-Stars um, representing uh, Atlanta and, of course, also had uh, the coaching staff there uh, and that was really cool. I, I saw, uh, you know, MLB sat down with Brian Snicker at one point, did a pretty long interview with him. That was a really good one you can find online if you want. And also they sat down uh, with Ron Washington, one of my favorite Braves coaches, and he just shared a lot of, a lot of different insights and wisdom. And you really get a feel for, for how the Braves uh, value their coaching staff, these guys who've been around a long, long time, and uh, kind of go about things in an old school way. Uh, I wouldn't say the Braves as a team are necessarily super old school, but I do think that some of those values, the, the hard work, the showing up to work every day, um, the, the value of practice, all those things kind of show forth uh, through some of their coaches. And of course, I think that has a lot to do with their success on the field as well. So it's kind of cool to see some of that. And I'm sure those coaches had a lot of, uh, a lot of fun uh, at uh, in LA as well, but things kind of jumped uh, or got off to a start with Ronald Acuna uh, participating in the home run derby. Unfortunately for him, he was out in the first round against Pete Alonso. Would have been great to see him take down Alonso. I don't know about you guys. Now maybe this is my bias against the Mets. I'm kind of uh, at this point annoyed by Alonso and and just how seriously, kind of weirdly seriously, he takes the home run derby. I don't know if you guys watched it. Uh, but particularly in the next round, as he was going against Julio Rodriguez, um, he was kind of in the in the dugout or or um, maybe even below, uh, just sitting there um, breathing. <laughs> it's almost like he was praying or 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 you know thinking about uh, his swing, and it just came across as as kind of creepy. Uh, but that was Pete Alonso for you. So he was taking it incredibly seriously. Uh, I don't know why he was also lifting right before 
the event. I don't know if you've ever lifted. I don't know that that would help you. I think it might hurt you uh, as you get worn down right before. But nonetheless, he was he was super into it. He did beat Acuna to his uh, his credit. I actually didn't get to watch this live. Um, had some other things I had to do that evening. Uh, but it did look like Acuna didn't get the best uh, pitches to hit, maybe to really get into a groove. Alonzo had his guy that had done really well for him over the last several years. But nonetheless, Acuna, you know, still it's just kind of cool to be able to have a Brave uh, participate in the Home Run Derby. I've never seen a Brave actually do all that well in it for whatever reason, but pretty cool for him to be in it. Um, as far as the game goes, uh, it started out really well for the National League. In fact, Acuna started uh, the National League uh, first, you know, bottom of the first inning off with a double, just smoked it down the line, scored on a Mookie, Mookie Bet single. And not a lot happened after uh, Paul Goldschmidt then hit a home run in that inning. And then pretty much nothing happened for the National League after the first inning. Uh, Austin Riley did pick up a, a single as well uh, in the eighth inning. So the Braves did have two of the National League's five hits. Um, but just really cool to see so many Braves participate. Max Fried didn't pitch in this game uh, since he had pitched just a couple days before. Uh, he just took the day off but was there. He did an interview with... Um, with the guys in the booth during the game, which was kind of nice. I will just say this. I hate how they um, were miking the pitchers, the, uh, particularly the pitchers and the catchers, uh, during the game. I thought it was really annoying. You know, they're trying to interview the pitcher while he's trying to focus on the game and what pitch he's going to throw. And um, I just didn't think it worked. Now, they've miked, they miked hitters in the past before. They miked fielders. They did, uh, did that in this game as well. I like that. Uh, it takes a little less focus, uh, especially when you're in the field, maybe uh, as an outfielder, uh, to do some interviews like that. Um, but to Mike the pitcher, I think it just took away from the game. You know, there were there were Braves and other guys too coming into the game for the first time. And you know, as a fan, you want the the national broadcasters to talk about your guy and and why he's an all star and what he's done that season to be in the game. And they lost all that because they they mic'd the pitcher for, you know, that inning or whatever. So, anyways, I, I just, I'm not a f big fan of that. It's it's maybe a small thing, but I was definitely annoyed by it. Uh, and also just the awkwardness of, uh, as much as I love John Smoltz, maybe I don't love him as much as a broadcaster. And the other guy in, uh, in the booth, um, just kind of awkward back and forth with the pitcher in the moment I could do without that. So I don't know if they'll continue to do it. They probably will, but uh, definitely not my favorite thing. Anyways, uh, the, the American league did win that game three to two. And, um, and here we are just a couple days later, uh, waiting for real baseball to, to start back up, uh, again, really cool for the Braves to get six representatives in that game, particularly Austin Riley, who really had to wait until the last minute to hear his name called, but very deservingly. So, and hope that he, and some of these other guys come back uh, again and make it back as all-stars once again. All right, well, the, kind of the meat of this episode, what I really want to focus in on is the Braves draft, what they did uh, in these three days of the MLB draft. And, you know, what they were expected to do, what a lot of the pundits and supposed experts were saying um, is that the Braves were probably going to take a college arm with the 20th pick, kind of what they've done in the past several drafts. And, you know, I think... Uh, the the supposed you know understanding of the, the Braves system and how they like to do things is is take a college pitcher that you know has um, 
a, a high floor, right? You're, you're probably not going to totally swing and miss on a college pitcher uh, who is projectable. Uh, they cost a little less money, you know, to pick up in the first round. You can spread out your, your uh, draft pool money uh, a lot better after that, and you get a lot of guys. And that's what they've done in the last few drafts. And so it made sense that they might do that again. Of course, what threw a wrench into that was the Braves um, picking up the, the number 35 pick through a trade, getting um, about two and a half, two point two million dollars more, and you know what they were going to do with that. So the Braves really did um, what they were not expected to do, and instead of drafting a college arm, not only do they draft a high school arm with their first pick, but they uh, their first three picks were high school pitchers. Um, high school pitchers have a lot more volatility. Uh, you know, a lot you're taking a chance because they're, they're so far away from actually making it to the major leagues. Um, is this guy going to be able to to continue uh, to um, to get better and better to make it to the majors? But the Braves do that. They take three high school pitchers, um, and uh, I'm going to talk about each of those guys a little bit and those specifics um, in just a second. But just very interesting under Alex Anthopoulos. This is really the first draft that you can say the Braves are really uh, kind of swinging for the fences to use a baseball metaphor uh, in the draft, uh, going after some guys who, yeah, they, they might swing and miss. Um, you know, there is more risk in taking maybe some of these guys. Uh, there's more um, time that you have to wait for them potentially to get to the majors. But also, man, if these guys are as good as maybe the Braves think they could be, uh, these these guys could be really exciting in a few years. The other thing, you know, just to just to talk about before we really get into the draft is how difficult um, it is in baseball to to project guys. Baseball is probably the hardest sport to project what you see you know, before the major leagues and will a guy actually be able to make it? And and that's why the draft historically has been so many rounds. You know, it used to be 50 some rounds and you'd go through, uh, you know, if you, and I encourage you to do this. If you, if you just look at any draft um, and I, I just pulled up the 1984 draft just as a random, that's the draft that Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin were selected. Um, Neither of them first rounders, by the way, they were both second rounders. Um, but if if you look at that, um, far more guys, even in the first few rounds, don't make the majors than do make the majors. And of course, you you look at that compared to the NFL or NBA draft is just totally totally the opposite. So, anyways, you know, baseball uh, takes so many specific skill skills that you have to do really well. It's just very hard to predict those things. Which means you have to have great scouting and you have to have really good development. And I do think the Braves have really good scouting and, generally speaking, a good development system. Of course, you're always going to have guys that don't make it. Of course, we just went through the whole thing of Drew Waters being a, a top prospect in the Braves organization, really not figuring it out with the Braves and then them them trading him away for that number 35 pick in the draft. Um and so, yeah, there's there's no can't-miss prospect in baseball. Maybe there are a few, but not many. Uh, they don't come along very often. So we're going to have to see how each of these picks for the Braves, um, how they progress over the, la over, over the next few years. So let's get into the draft. I want to look first at day one of the draft. These are uh, rounds one through uh, one and two. The Braves actually had four picks 
in day one, which is pretty great uh, for them. So their first pick in the draft, this is the number 20 pick in the first round, was Owen Murphy. He was a pitcher uh, out of uh, the state of Illinois. He was actually the player of the year, Gatorade player of the year uh, for the state of Illinois. So definitely a really, really talented player uh, and actually uh, a big star um, in on both sides of the diamond, both as a pitcher and a hitter. I think he had 18 home runs as a hitter. Um, I, the Braves have come out saying that they plan for him to be a pitcher only. Um, it's interesting that there have been some reports that um, Owen Murphy wants to try to play both ways. I hope that doesn't go into his signability if he's like really set on that. Um, but we'll have to see where that goes. Uh, I heard reports that he could have been a fourth or fifth rounder if he was just being drafted as a hitter uh, position player. So obviously very talented in that regard too, but more talented, maybe more projectable as a pitcher. You know, one thing, I think I mentioned this in, uh, in the last podcast, the Braves love athletic, uh, athletic pitchers. Uh, you can go all the way back to John Smoltz, you know, who was like a three or four um, sports star in high school because they they can figure things out with their body um, better. Uh, you know, there are things that they can do to adjust their game over time. Uh, and Owen Murphy definitely fits that mold. Um, he's uh, known to be advanced, very advanced for a high school pitcher. Uh, a guy that maybe, even though he's young, could move a little quicker through the minors. Not that that's the number one reason why you draft a guy like this, but that would definitely be a positive if he could get to the majors, you know, kind of like a Michael Harris at 21 as opposed to 23, 24, 25. Um, and one of the reasons for that is he has very good command and he has four pitches that are all pretty solid. Um, his fastball is mid-90s. Everything else is also pretty good, too. Uh, with a slider, with a changeup, uh, and with a curveball. So um, Owen Murphy, definitely uh, somebody to be excited about. Uh, I, I would say in terms of picking him, he's he wasn't the star of the draft. He was actually projected by some to be more of like in the 30 or 40 range in terms of where he was going to be drafted. Of course, with baseball, you never quite know. Uh, it's really hard to, to judge that. Um, so just because... Uh, he was, you know, thought of, thought about in that range doesn't mean the Braves were reaching for him. They just liked him more than some of the guys that were projected ahead of him. Um, but I do think he also is a guy that, um, yeah, they're they're taking the guy that they like, but they're also not taking a guy who uh, is going to be like insanely expensive and going to kind of derail the rest of your draft because you're spending so much money on your first pick. That maybe could have happened. Maybe the Braves could have gone a different way with another pick. They chose not to do that. Um, he probably still had to pay him over slot, but maybe not as much as some others. Uh, their second pick, which was that number 35 pick they got for the Drew Waters trade, was J.R. Ritchie. This is a kid out of um, the state of Washington, high school pitcher, uh, also a right-hander. I don't know if I mentioned that about Owen Murphy, but also J.R. Ritchie is a right-hander, also throws in the mid-90s. Uh, very simple, repetitive delivery, which is something scouts really like. He's probably not going to get lost with his delivery and get really out of whack. Um he has a three to four pitch mix as well. So really encouraging with that. 
and a hard worker. He was actually at the draft. So as, as I was watching it, you got to see a little short uh, interview with him. Uh, of course, you can't tell a lot in one uh, in one interview, but there are some things you can tell. He is well-spoken. He, he said that he was going to be the hardest worker in the draft. He came across really nicely. His family was there, super excited for him. He's from a very small little island off the coast of Washington State, um, you know, that's never really produced any um, any major leaguer. So, you know, I think he's going to be very motivated. I think he probably comes from a smaller area, which uh, could, you know, could be a good thing uh, for the Braves to get kind of a small town guy who's really motivated. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I really like J.R. Ritchie just from what I've seen of him, some of the some of the video and just how he came across in that interview. So looking forward to seeing him in a brace uniform. Uh, their uh, second round pick was Cole Phillips. He's a, a Texas high school pitcher, also a right-hander. The Braves only took right-handed pitchers, by the way. Any pitcher I mentioned was a right-hander. Uh, Cole Phillips is also, I think, someone to be pretty excited about. He could have been a first-rounder uh, if he had been healthy. Unfortunately, he had Tommy John. But before he uh, was forced to have Tommy John back in April, he was throwing around 100 miles an hour. So very live arm um, and probably has a plus slider as well. So this guy is one that, to me, kind of fits into that Spencer Strider mold. Just an incredible arm talent. Uh, a guy, if he kind of puts it all together, could be something special and could be viewed as kind of a steal in the second round. Um, the Braves also had a round two uh, compensation pick, and so this was their first, their their last pick of the uh, of day one. His name is Blake Burkhalter. He's from uh, the University of Auburn, and um, maybe the least sexy of these picks but someone that could probably move pretty quickly through the Braves organization. He probably, you could see him earlier than any of these three guys, these other three guys, because he is projected probably to be a reliever. He had a really good year at Auburn. He didn't pitch a ton of innings, but um, he had a 10 strikeout to one walk ratio. That's pretty crazy. Um, and like I said, he was a reliever at Auburn. The Braves have mentioned that they want to try him as a starter, which would be pretty interesting considering he's only been a reliever in college. He kind of throws a cutter um, fastball along with a changeup. Uh, so maybe that, maybe they're thinking that can convert pretty well uh, to a starter. I think some of this is, you know, when you have a guy with some arm talent, you want to try him as a starter first just because there's so much more value to that. Um, and of course they could always go back to him being a reliever cause they know he can do it. So, uh, nonetheless, uh, being a college guy, especially if, if he kind of sinks into being a reliever, I could see him coming to Atlanta pretty quickly. So that was day one. Uh, you know, I'll just mention day two and especially day three. I'm not going to go into each of these guys in depth. Uh, quite honestly, I don't know much in depth about some of these guys, but I'm giving you some information that's. Uh, you know, that I found through my research and, and listening to some of the top um, top guys in MLB talking about what the Braves have done over the draft. So I just want to at least give you a bird's eye view of, of some of these guys and some of the guys I'm, I'm more excited about. So some guys I will skip. It uh, doesn't mean that they're not going to be good. It's just there may be a little less that jumps out to me uh, personally. Okay, so in day two, the Braves started – the third round by picking Drake Baldwin. He's a catcher out of Missouri State uh, and probably a hit first catcher. This guy has a really good bat. 
uh, hard contact to all fields. Uh, some of the video you can find of him, he's he's hitting a home run out to right field, then he's hitting a home run out the other way to left. Um, he doesn't chase a lot of bad balls, uh, puts uh, the barrel on the ball, so definitely a good hitting catcher. Another thing that I really like of him, and I think the Braves probably really liked of him, is he was a big hockey star in high school in Wisconsin. Uh, kind of takes me back to Tom Glavin and his his hockey stardom. Um, but, you know, the Braves, like I said, they like guys who um, can cross over into other sports, uh, who show some kind of athleticism uh, and ability in other ways, and he's definitely a guy that does that. The question is, can he stick at catcher? Defensively, there's some question marks. Obviously, the Braves are going to get him in and really probably coach him up big time uh, and the art of catching. So if he can, you know, a Catchers, it's really hard to find good catchers, especially guys who can hit um, at that position. There's tons of guys, and we saw this last year when the Braves were just searching for catchers. There are tons of guys who can go out there defensively and catch. Um, it's another thing to find a catcher who can do it well and hit well. So maybe Drake Baldwin can turn into that guy for the Braves. Obviously, the Braves feel pretty good uh, long-term with William Contreras in the fold, but nonetheless, it'd be great to have another guy in the system. Uh, and, you know, by the way, uh, the Braves took two catchers in this draft. Uh, they are clearly pretty depleted at the catching position. Uh, so the fact that they addressed that with two guys, Baldwin being uh, probably the better of the two, it's very encouraging and you can understand why they would do that. All right. So their first, fourth round selection was David McCabe uh, out of UNC Charlotte. Uh, this guy is... Um, not sure where he's going to play defensively might have some question marks, maybe third base. If he can stick there, I think he was announced as a third baseman, uh, maybe first base, maybe ultimately DH if, you know, defensively he has struggles, but nonetheless, he was drafted primarily for his bat, huge power guy. I really like this because the Braves have not drafted a ton of pure power guys in the last few drafts. I'm glad that they, they did this. He's also a switch hitter. He hit 16 home runs in just 42 games in college last year at UNC Charlotte. Um, so there's no doubt that this guy has real, legitimate, raw power. And we'll just have to see how he translates into the minor league system. But uh, definitely a guy I'm going to be keeping my, my eye on because if he can maintain some level of defense at any position, uh, I could see him finding his way to the big leagues, uh, maybe not too far from now. Uh, okay, the next guy is this. This is our round five pick, Ignacio Alvarez, third baseman. Don't have a ton on him. This is a guy that jumped into um, the earlier rounds, the day two rounds, kind of late. Um, he had a really good showing, um, I think fall uh, fall ball showing uh, that put him on the map a little bit more. But he has great defensive ability at, at third base. Um and so we'll just have to keep an eye on him. Like I said, don't have as much on him, but, you know, uh, a third baseman. Uh, Braves are also kind of, um, you know, kind of weak in that area, only having one third baseman in their top 30 prospects. So we'll see what Alvarez is able to do. Uh, be interesting to get some eyes on him soon. Uh, the Braves' six-round pick is Seth Keller. He was a pitcher, um, high school pitcher from uh, the state of Virginia. Uh, this, this is an interesting one because Keller, if you just look at his ability, his pitch mix, all those numbers, um, he compares very well to some of the earlier picks that the Braves made in day one. So why is he taking this late? 
Uh, he's only 5'10", which is pretty short for a pitcher. Um, there have certainly been shorter pitchers uh, to be successful in the major leagues, but they also come with maybe a little more risk, a little more uh, failure rate uh, when you are under six foot. So we'll have to see how he do he does, but I think it's an interesting pick and one that could really work in the Braves' favor um, if he's successful. He also was a, a two-way player in high school, so you know, pretty athletic. And like I said, the Braves really like that. Uh, their seventh-round pick was Adam Mayer. This is another guy who the Braves are drafting off of injury, but uh, so he would not have been available um, this late otherwise. He's out of uh, Oregon, uh, the University of Oregon. He had a really weird uh, kind of broken up college career. Uh, of course, like a lot of guys, um, he lost the 2020 season or most of it because of COVID. Then he got hurt uh, off and on. He had a UCL, UCLA, uh, UCL sprain, which is kind of related to Tommy John, but it, it, it didn't require Tommy John surgery. So there's obviously injury risk by taking this guy, but he has a tremendous breaking ball. Uh, some say it might have even been the best breaking ball in the draft. So true talent with this guy. Um, there's maybe some signability questions. I'm guessing the Braves would have to go over slot to sign this guy, and we'll have to see, you know, uh, hopefully he could come back from injury. Hopefully he signs. And uh, just another guy with a lot of high upside um, that the Braves took here. All right, I'm going to skip ahead to round 10. Round 10, uh, the Braves took Andrew Keck. Uh, he is a catcher from uh, Southeast Missouri State. So apparently not only do the Braves want to draft catchers, but they're only taking catchers from Missouri in this draft. Uh, but Keck is uh, somewhat interesting, also potentially a, um, a bat-first catcher. Uh, he actually uh, profiles pretty interestingly because he had a lot of steals. Um, so a lot of speed at the catching position, and he, he showed a lot of power uh, this season, which he hadn't really done a lot before this season. Um, so interesting uh, speed-power combo from a catcher. Definitely needs to work defensively to get better. Uh, so he's kind of similar in that way uh, to Baldwin. But the Braves fill a positional need. Like I mentioned, two catchers um, within the first 10 rounds of the draft. So it's good to to fill that void. All right, well, let's move on to day three. Like I said, I'm not going to go into every uh, every pick of day three. The further you go, the harder it is to find information on these guys. Uh, Braves definitely took more position players in day three than they had in the earlier rounds. Um, the other thing that's pretty obvious uh, that the Braves aren't really going um, for any big-name guys. Um in these rounds, which means they probably went over slot with a lot of their high school uh, players that they chose in especially day one. That's not to say that some of these guys couldn't show up and really be players for the Braves long term. All right, so uh, round 12, Justin Janis, he was, uh, he's a first baseman out of the University of Illinois. Uh, he has a great hit tool, which I really like. You know, to me, a lot of times uh, a player can show up and, you know, they look like a five-tool player. You know, they're incredibly athletic. They look good in a uniform, um, and, but they can't hit. You know, they have great power. You know, when they're able to put the bat on the ball, it, it just looks amazing, but they can't do it consistently. Give me a guy who can hit and maybe figure out some other things and become a, 
you know, major league player. And so Janis definitely has a great hit tool. He led his league, the Big Ten, in uh, in average batting champion in that league. So really cool there. He probably is only a first baseman, so not a lot of um, positional flexibility. But, you know, maybe if they can get a little more power out of his bat along with the hit tool, he could really become something offensively. Uh, the 16th round, EJ Exposito uh, is a shortstop who might end up sliding over to second base eventually. Um, but probably a decent bat. Again, I like this one because they're, they're looking at guys who can hit a little bit. Um, good bat speed. Uh, and, you know, they, they draft him as a, as a shortstop. There's, there's a little less value if he has to slide over to second. But still, if you have a good good hitting second baseman, uh, that that doesn't sound bad to me. Uh, Seventeen round Kevin uh, Kilpatrick, uh, outfielder out of Central Florida Community College. He's actually um, a Georgia native. Braves didn't go as heavy with Georgia natives in this draft, but it's cool to see one here. Uh, he's known as a really high character guy. I do like this pick. Uh, he's got some projectability, some some really good speed, um, uh, a nice looking swing. Uh, may have the chance to get a little more power out of his bat uh, over time. And so, you know, another guy that if things fall right, go the right direction, could become actually a pretty good player. Um, uh, the next two guys uh, maybe are going to be more difficult to sign, so I'm not going to spend as much time on them. But again, the Braves, if they if they do sign them, these are high school guys that, um, you know, probably would take some time to develop. But also, you know, they're taking them here that you take a flyer on them. If the guy does sign, then it really does improve. Um, you know, upside guys in the lower uh, minors for you. So Noah Williams out of California high school um, and Christian Jackson, he's also from Georgia. Again, these, these guys may not sign, but both of them are very athletic, uh, you know, high upside guys. Um, Jackson may be a little bit better of a hitter at this point, uh, but we just see how it plays out if they're able to get them into the organization. And the last guy uh, around 20, Keyshawn Ogans, and uh, don't think because he's the last draft pick that he's Mr. Irrelevant, as they call him in, in the NFL. Uh, he's a shortstop from uh, the University of California and is probably a guy who, at the very worst, is going to be a solid organizational guy. Um, he's he's defensively is going to be a shortstop. He can stick there, which is that, that in and of itself has a lot of value. And, you know, some solid talent. He's not uh, maybe flashy in any one thing, but can do a lot of things well. So it's potential that if things break right for him, he could be, you know, uh, a backup infielder and make the uh, make the bigs. So um, overall, you know, my overall take for the Braves and their draft is positive. I like what they did. I like the upside. Uh, you know, I always get a little more jazzed when uh, the Braves take uh, position players, I think position players are a little more fun to watch over time and, you know, you know, see what uh, Michael Harris is doing right now. But that being said, we know the value of having a lot of talented pitching prospects. Um, we know that, uh, you know, you can go out and, and trade for some guys. If, you know, you have all the pitching you need and you trade some of those prospects away, that could be something that could happen over time. But nonetheless, I like the fact that the Braves went with a little more upside in this draft. Uh, yes, there's potentially more risk by doing that, but there's also a lot more reward. You have probably four or five pitchers in this draft that you could um, 
believe could become, you know, really solid big league pitchers, um, middle of the rotation, or maybe even, you know, a one or a two, you know, it's really hard to find an ace like we did with Max Freed, but, you know, could another Kyle Wright be in this draft? Yeah, absolutely. You, you could totally see that happening. And you could see it happening with multiple guys in this draft. A lot of talent here. Um, yeah, some of them will probably never see the major leagues. But like I said, that happens with every draft. Uh, you know, the weird thing about high school players, taking high school players, and this is why they're more volatile, is uh, every high schooler, every 18-year-old is at a different stage of development. And, you know, I actually... Uh, coach basketball. So I see this all the time. You have guys who they look like studs as, as freshmen in high school, and but they're actually done developing at that time. And then you have guys who will develop physically well beyond high school um, and will get better and better and will overtake those guys. Uh, and also you have some guys who choose not to work hard, um, even though they're very talented and they you know, they, they stall and other guys who will work hard throughout and get better and better over time. So it's just really hard to project those guys. That's why once you get a 21 year old college player, you, you can understand a little bit more physically of what this guy is uh, and who he's going to be, you know, uh, two or three years from now. So, you know, the Braves took quite a few high school guys uh, and we'll just have to see, are, are they all kind of done uh, you know, getting stronger? Are they done uh, physically? Uh, I don't know. But hopefully, like I think we've got with Richie, you've got guys who are going to be hard workers. And uh, what I have heard about this draft is the, the Braves took a lot of guys that they know are, are definitely uh, high character guys. We know the Braves really do uh, value that in their players. That's one thing that they, they want to know. They're not just going to look at the physical person, but they're going to look at the whole person and they're going to draft the whole person, obviously. And it's those kinds of guys that tend to have a little more success over time. It's kind of like, you know, particularly with high school guys, it's kind of like that, um, you know, playing the lottery. When you take, um, you know, a million, a mega millions, <laughs> you know, lottery ticket, you have less chance of it, of it cashing, cashing in for you. But when it does, when it hits, it's big bucks. Uh, and so we're hoping that some of these high school guys are going to be those lottery tickets that really cash in for us. Um, most of the early picks for the Braves, you know, are very likely to take some time getting through the system. Uh, like, I'm, like I mentioned, Owen Murphy might be a guy who could, who could go a little quicker through the system. But, of course, that's just uh, some experts thinking that that could happen. Um, but nonetheless, you know, remember the Braves and their, uh, their minor league system right now is really weak on the lower levels. And now it's not so much. You know, you have a good draft. Uh, these guys, um, you know, come in uh, new blood into the system, into the lower levels. You get, uh, you know, Augusta Green Jackets uh, low A team that actually has some talent now. Uh, and that's, that's encouraging and that's kind of exciting. So that's what the Braves have. The Braves are in a position where they don't necessarily need quick help. Uh, from the minors. It's always good when you have that, but they're not necessarily uh, needing that right now. Uh, let's replenish the minor league system. And, uh, you know, in two or three years, let's see what we got. Uh, a couple of things that I really like out of this draft. I like uh, our rounds three and four picks. Like I said, I get a little more jazzed up for the position players and particularly guys with strong hit tools. And it looks like um, that Baldwin and McCabe are that. 
uh, I, uh, I'll love to see, you know, them progress hopefully through the system and, uh, and get to the bigs somewhat soon and see what they can do, uh, with, with power and a good hit tool. So, you know, this draft, uh, is not full of star power. The Braves didn't pick one of the real big name guys at the top of the draft. You wouldn't expect that with having the, the 20th pick. Uh, but I think what they did is they were really able to get a lot of value and spread out um, this draft in a way to get a lot of talent and guys that could end up being big time guys for them overall. I think it's more likely that you have a couple star pitchers uh, come out of this draft than you have star uh, position players. But again, uh, a couple of these guys, a couple of these position players could surprise us. Uh, they definitely you know, pick some guys with maybe some upper end potential. Um, my favorite picks for this draft, like I said, I really like Baldwin and McCabe. Um, not only are they coming in as really, uh, you know, potentially high quality hitters, but they're, they're coming in at some positions of need. Uh, as far as the pitchers go, I really like J.R. Ritchie and, and Phillips with those, you know, they were brave second and third picks of the draft. Not that I don't like Owen Murphy. I think he's a solid, you know, first pick. Uh, but I think Richie and Phillips uh, are potentially just as good as Murphy on the mound and could, um, I could see any of those three guys uh, becoming a, you know, top or middle of the rotation starter one day. Uh, so that would be certainly amazing if that were to happen. Well, that is the MLB draft review for the Braves. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, the second half of the season getting going for the Braves and for them to overtake the Mets hopefully very soon and uh, see what the Braves also do uh, in the um, you know during the trade deadline. Uh, they have some things to do. I think there are some interesting ways that Alex Anthopoulos could play the trade deadline. And obviously the next two weeks and uh, what the Braves do on the field probably is going to impact some of the some of his decision making. Well, all right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of State of the Braves. Don't forget to like and follow me on Spotify. Uh, you can also find uh, my videos on YouTube and you can listen on Apple Podcasts as well. Please rate and review my stuff. It really helps a lot. And I really do appreciate you guys listening. I will talk to you soon.